0: Welcome in everyone. It's the commissioner here. Want to let you know that we have a great and exciting episode for y'all today episode 34 and what else can we do for an episode that is the number 34 if you're a Houstonian if you're a Houston rocket fan especially 34 near and dear to our hearts it belongs it is the jersey number to hall of famer the number one rocket the number one center of all time Hakeem the dream Olajuwon what else can myself and the GM do but do and devote an entire episode in fact uh, devote two parts to the amazing and illustrious career that is Hakeem the Dream Olajuwon. That's right, two parts, a two-parter. We cannot do the entire career of Hakeem Olajuwon in just one episode. If we did that, it would run for over three hours, Easily the longest episode in some state-of-mind history. So we went ahead and broke it down into two parts for you. We had an amazing guest return to the show. Vincent Koo, a.k.a. Coach, comes on. A man who had been there ever since. I mean, he may have been just a kid, but he was there ever since the inception of Hakim Olajuwon going to the Rockets, uh, being drafted. So he was there from that time. So, uh, listening to his perspective on how he carries from the his own thoughts to the own thoughts of the city of Houston and the vibe of the city from the 80s going into the 90s and obviously all the way up to our two NBA championships. So we're only going to be covering, for this episode, we are only going to be covering from his his time of getting drafted and then we're going to go all the way up to the first NBA championship in 1994 and everything that is going to happen in between. So we're going to cover a lot of different things today with Coach, myself, and the GM. We're going to be covering, obviously, the draft of Hakeem Olajuwon back in 1984, why it is considered the greatest draft in NBA history, and then we move forward to the Twin Towers. going to talk about the 1986 Houston Rockets and why they failed to win an NBA championship that year, not just because they ran into the Boston Celtics. Then we fast forward, obviously, and progress during his career how he puts up all-star numbers, but then he starts having some slight against the organization. All the way to the point where Houston Rockets started accusing him of faking an injury. So we talk about that as well. And then we ultimately talk about the coming to Jesus moment for him and for the owner, Charlie Thomas. Him finding uh, Islam and becoming Muslim. Turning from Akeem to Hakeem Olajuwon. And then obviously we dive into the biggest meat and potato of the entire episode. The 1994 NBA championship run the very first title in nba history and why hakeem was not just the focal point but the center but he was the captain he was the leader and we do not win that championship without him he is the cornerstone of this entire organization the gem the diamond he is definitely the best and greatest piece in houston history the number one player in houston rocket history and let's get ready because this is going to be the biggest rocket spectacle of all time. Devote an entire episode, a two parter, right here for y'all. This right here is part one of Akeem the Dream Olajuwon here on the Summit State of Mind. Last of all. At times I feel old like I'm going out of style. So I turn down the music on my FM dial. I beg of you to come and listen for a while and look at this wonderful world through the eyes of a child. This is my. Chance. What is going on, everyone? You are listening to this song. <laughs> right on I love time. It. Right I on love time. Charlie. Charlie. Char- Charlie. <laughs> that was off awesome. Charlie didn't like. My, yeah, Charlie. I wasn't sure if Charlie loved my intro or not. He, okay. he didn't like the- No, he did. That's
1: why when you yeah, turned it down, cheering. he was cheering.
0: He was cheering for yeah. it. All right, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> that's gonna be part of my that's gonna be part of the intro i'm having to delete that that's gonna be part of it all right again Last of the at times i feel old like i'm going out of style so i turn down the music on my fm dial I beg of you to come and listen for a while and look at this wonderful world through the eyes of a child. This is my What is going on, everyone? Today, you are listening to the Summit State my of my dreams Mind, dreams the way. podcast of DreamShakes and DreamShakes and everything Houston Rockets. I am your host, your commissioner, Kenny, like and with me is my brother, my boy tag boy team boy partner, the GM, Justin. GM, how's it going? Fine Saturday morning, beautiful Saturday morning. We're here, not with me, we are not on location, we are off location right now, it is good. Him,
2: uh, sipping on some coffee. And I like how you said, dream shakes and dream shakes. It's like, this is, we're just super focused today. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: It's not about, it's not about, yeah, it's not. It's, just, it's all dream shakes and dream shakes because we are chronicling the career of the greatest Houston rocket to have ever existed. It's episode 34. It's episode 34 for number 34, retired jersey number 34, the greatest center of all time, Hakeem Olajuwon. And of course, we could not do do That without bringing back our guest, the Zen one of the well, I, I wasn't going to call him the Zen master. That's uh, that's always Phil Jackson. But this, yes. is coach right here, he's all you know, he's me and the GM Zen master. He's uh, scoop, scooped us to the game, got us in from game, uh, got us in from day one. His second time on the show, he's been here, uh, 90s era basketball, go- uh, Goliath over here. He knows his stuff been been here done that especially in the career of akim olajuwon so we had to get him back welcome back into the podcast vincent ku aka coach to talk about well, well, how's it going well
1: thank you it's good it's good how are you guys doing
0: we're good man we're good you yeah you, we so have another special guest of course we have
1: to, we have to always include the future hall of fame <laughs> houston rocket charlie he's making a video appearance this time fully yes, awake oh, yes yeah. Yeah, he's, all, he's
2: all in now
1: <laughs> yeah he's all in right now he definitely knows when his time comes in he already came in right on Q two.
0: yeah right before we started recording he was like yep. yo get me in on this let
1: me get on this let me get on this podcast too <laughs> dad <laughs> like, i'm ready i'm ready yeah i'm ready i'm coming off the bench i know i'll start <laughs> next
0: year don't worry <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's gonna be challenging everybody so welcome welcome in vincent we're happy to have you and charlie back on yes. the podcast two ta- two times uh second time obviously this one's a big one though getting we you had on. to we had to had when to, you right? told
1: me n- number 34 has to be for 34 come on now the only 34 that matters
0: yeah only 34 you that already ever, know the mm-hmm. only 34 that is famous
2: mattered. the 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 MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo,
1: Duh. Oh no! no, no. <laughs> oh, Come let's on. not. Let's not even. Oh, I forgot he was <laughs> 13. do don't, don't open that. Don't open that box right now. Already, we got to get, get through the early stuff first. Come
2: on. Oh my gonna, god! We're already I was, I, I was, I was, I was fishing for yeah. that response, and I got okay. exactly what I wanted. <laughs> yep. oh, you're, we, you're, you, know. you know, your your boy likes to troll just a little mm.
1: bit, you know. Oh, he's the biggest just, one right there. Just a tad. No. Oh, no I, got, like, I got I got I got some things about him, but that could be for another episode. <laughs> oh, we all have
0: things to say. No, we're not anyway. going to waste we're not going <laughs> to mince we're not going to mince or waste words on uh, Mr. Antetokounmpo. The uh, We're not going to we're not going to waste that because it's not about him. It's about like I said at uh, the beginning of the episode, the greatest center in NBA history, the greatest rocket in rocket Facts. history, Hakeem. The dream freaking Elaju won. This episode is dedicated to you, Hakeem, wherever you are. I think he's Facts. I think he's back in Houston right now. So this episode's for you, brother. You deserve it. Well-earned career. Let's go ahead and kick off. Let's go ahead and kick off right here. Um, first memories of Hakeem the Dream Elajuan. Obviously, me and the GM were not born when he was drafted. Mm-hmm. Uh, we came in later, but I want to direct the question to you first, Coach. Give me your yeah. very first memories of Akeem the Dream Olajuwon. Uh,
1: well, surprisingly, the very first time I saw a picture of him was through my mom because she was, uh, she was surprisingly a sports fan, and of course, she was, you know, watching more sports than I was when I was a kid because she was already here and that was, was on TV. So she happened to uh, show me a picture. She was like, "You like basketball, right?" I'm like, "Yeah." Here's the here's the Houston Rockets, and this is their new center. This is who they drafted, and I was like, "Who's this tall, <laughs> lanky black dude?" And I was like, "Like he was dark, and you know, back then the, the TV cameras weren't really high def, and it was kind of uh, the lighting wasn't like supremely like perfect. So when Hakeem when Hakeem took that picture, it was like basically David Stern. He's like this small. And then Hakeem's like this small, this tall.
2: Oh yeah, like,
1: yeah. Super,
0: super black. Yeah, two dollar yeah. bow tie. <laughs>
1: so Fresh from it, Houston I son. was just like,
0: who's who's this? So <laughs> I was like, okay,
1: are we gonna? I had no idea. I still very had very little basketball knowledge. So I was like, okay, this tall guy has to be playing basketball. He must be good because he's tall. (laughs) Uh, But little did we know that he became actually one of the best. But yeah, that's just looking at him. I'm just like, hmm, tall black guy. Okay, cool. And then, you know, my mom's like, yeah, he went to Houston, University of Houston. That's where you're going to go to. I'm like, sure. College. (laughs) I don't know yet. I'm like, at that time, I was what, seven, eight, seven years old. Something like that seven or eight just started watching sports i was just like i don't know what college is
0: (laughs) that's how that's how how parents that's how our parents operate you know they already planned our college ahead of us ahead of time yeah they they, they (laughs) instill
2: it in your mind always where it's like we're getting you there (laughs) prepared yeah she was
1: already like scouting all the colleges i needed to go to and and everything so (laughs) that was my first memory
0: Awesome, awesome, great. That's that that's amazing too that you like you you have that recollection of like remembering like him getting drafted on top of that. Like that that that's freaking amazing. So you were there from the Genesis. Let me correct let me direct the question over to the GM. Uh GM, I have to ask you your first memory of Akeem, the dream of Lajuan. Uh I'm guessing was it the ninety-four title? Was it the ninety four finals? Was that yeah, your first recollection? It was, okay. it was, Go like, ahead honestly, explain.
2: my first real memories of anything Rockets was game seven of 94. I don't recall watching any games during that playoff run at all. Like, obviously, my first memory, like I stated, in episode 30 was the Cassell uh, vignette, like the little yep. video and the picture of the stats of and everything and whatnot. But yeah. there were a few moments in the game that I remember our dad going crazy about. And also, you know, just a few moves here and there, like the, uh, you know, his normal step back on, on Patrick Ewing. You know, I remember mm-hmm. he, he had like a big dunk towards the end of the game in game mm-hmm. seven that like just got the crowd like crazy. And that was just unbelievable you know it was electric and at the age of four you're not really able to really piece together anything that makes any sense whatsoever it's just more so everyone around you is excited you're getting excited too of course so uh so in that memory in regards to that it's like anytime you saw basketball you'd get excited so i'd see like a team on the screen i'd get excited because i thought you know championship you know something exciting so those are the first memories of uh seeing a keem in regards to that so at least those are good memories considering it was a championship it was more of that than less of the failures Mm -hmm. but we'll get to that later
0: (laughs) but you know i think for well i think it was uh it's funny because when you say that i they i have very choppy memories I, i was maybe two years old Mm -hmm. Or three, I probably remember the second championship just a little bit better with the whole pots and pan banging for dad, and that's really honestly what I remember. But my honest first memory of Hakeem Olajuwon was the double clutch documentary VHS tape that we'd watch all the time, and then we'd put it in the we'd put it we'd put it in the rewinder, that little electronic rewinder. And Justin goes, (laughs) I remember Justin, you Justin was the first person to show. Justin goes, Justin goes, Kenya, we're gonna watch Houston Rockets, and then I remember he puts it in. For, he puts it in. I don't even think we started from the very beginning. I think we started about like midway through. And oh no, like a little bit of the beginning. But the, remember the very first words I've always ingrained in my mind were: uh, "Hakeem goes, we won the first title, clutch city. We win the second title, that'll be double clutch." <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I see this, I see this guy like spin moves and like you know, and I'm just in awe. Like I'm seeing all these guys, and it feels like. And I remember the first thought in my head when I was watching this, I was like. Man, I these guys he's playing against—they're very slow. These the players he's playing against aren't slow. It's Hakeem Olajuwon's quickness and footwork. It's an yeah. it's it wasn't it was a testament to Hakeem's greatness. Not, but you know, when you're a kid, you're like, oh my gosh, this guy is way too. This guy, these guys are way too slow. You know, that's literally the only thing I <laughs> thought of because he beat him yeah. off the dribble, all this yeah. easy. Because you, stuff you would post. think
1: you would think yeah. Hakeem was like the standard at that yes, time because he was just exactly. like exactly he's just moving like in normal pace like every other yeah. small player on the on the court yeah and all these big players are just like lumbering around or like all of a sudden he gets the ball two steps and then he'll like turn around on you and then all of a sudden the guy's just like look at where did he go
0: yeah and he's not killing you with he's not killing you with like breakneck speed like yeah, you know he's not
1: trying to like cross you over he, exactly. he just kind of dribble and then turn around spin move and then like he's gone he's already away from you
0: i literally think i feel like some defenders feel like if you just blink it's really one of those sayings you blink yeah. and you miss it i feel like yeah. if you're not really paying attention blink and you will miss it and then it sure. came at the it came at the rim for a dunk you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. great awesome for awesome first memories so let's let's move on here let's talk about hakeem olajuwon uh, 1984, let's go ahead and rewind it back Just like Vincent's very first memory 1984, oh, uh, let's set the table here For the NBA draft One of the great, I well from what I hear From all the pundits, one of the greatest drafts in NBA history Yes, Obviously, absolutely Probably, I mean, number, yeah, one, greatest. probably, probably okay. number one
1: Probably probably number one
0: Because yeah. people argue 84, People, some people argue 2003 Some people argue 90s, 96. Uh, 96. Yeah, 96 96, I think 96 yeah. with Steve Nash, Kobe, Kobe Bryant Kobe,
2: Allen Kobe. Right? Iverson yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 So, you know, th- those are typically the top three. Oh, I would say
2: 84 is number one, 100% for sure. It's, oh, yeah, yeah.
1: It's easy to say, it's easy to say the other two, but you gotta, you gotta ask when those pundits who say those other years were born. Because mm-hmm. just like with every other, you know, debate of greatest ever, you have to be able to, as I said, you have to see it with your own eyes in order to say that's the greatest. Yeah. I've never seen, you know, Will Chamberlain or Bill Russell, but they never, you know, those drafts might've been better than, you know, 84,
0: mm-hmm. but, but yeah, wouldn't have, never
1: know. yeah, but I have, I have to say, I have seen any, every draft from 84 on and, you know, with a few exceptions here and there,
2: it has the most know, hall of famers.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's yeah. the yeah. top 50 is starting from 84 mm-hmm. top 50 of That's all right. time. Yeah. True. I mean, it, yeah. In the next fifty years, yeah, you could say when uh, the ne- I would say the uh, the new age eighty. I would say the eighty four draft, if you could say that, is LeBron's
2: the two thousand. LeBron's yeah, two thousand probably the that last would be great everyone.
1: One. That's yeah, that's everyone's eighty four mm. draft because you you have LeBron who is now everyone saying is the goat, or at least in his movie he's saying he's the goat
0: (laughs) i knew we were gonna where's my space jam 2 plug i knew it was coming at some point it's coming it's coming
1: (laughs) i just wanted to throw that in there just there you go there you go yeah i I would definitely say 84 i mean yeah you have michael jordan number three not number one number three Mm -hmm. and then yes you have a bust in there number two yeah but but you have the i would definitely say the the number one center and Hakeem, the number one player in Michael, probably one of the top five, top ten power forwards in Charles. You have probably top ten, top five point guards in John Stockton. I mean, yep. the list goes on and on. You can't you can't say forget, that,
2: uh, that Hakeem's teammate Otis Thorpe was in the eighty four draft as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, former All Star, right. right. ninety two yep, yep, All Star. Yep. Yes, yes. <laughs>
2: Otskorp was in there too. That's right. Know. That's right. Um, there was just so many people that yeah, came yeah. from that that came from that um, little that draft. draft. I don't I don't know if anybody remembers either. Or you know, like this is more mythos than anything in regards to this that draft in general. But Chicago had af- offered their third overall pick. Or Ralph Sampson.
0: Never fully confirmed, and, but has been talked about in the lore yes. of basketball. Yes, like,
2: like a lot yeah. of people have mentioned it in that respect mm-hmm. and stated that, you know, in one of those, like, what if things questions, people were like, what if it came in Michael Jordan were on the same team? Obviously we won't get the same mic in regards to um, taking over a team, the greatest, yeah, yeah.
1: being the leader that he is. But
2: they might have been probably the greatest team. They could, probably could have knocked out the the Boston's and the L.A.'s later yeah. in the 80s yeah. if you had combined yeah. cuz let's there are two explosive personalities i mean you knew uh Vince based on Hakeem in the 80s when he was Hakeem and he was mm-hmm. a completely different dude from the 90s you know he,
1: and and you're right like that that early 80s Rockets team had Ralph Sampson who was at the time probably a top 10 top 15 yeah. player in the NBA already he was all, you know dubbed kind of uh i guess at that time you could say he's like the Giannis of back in the yeah, day because he was he was a, he was a very mm-hmm. mobile big man yep with a somewhat you know mid-range range. jump shot yeah, yeah range but not you know not incredibly long but, but he was he was
0: really athletic
1: yes right? and so you Absolutely. you would say you know you could compare him to like blake or uh anyone who could jump out the gym but you know, he's mm. lanky and tall and quick for a big man for seven. He's over seven foot. I can't remember. Yeah, how- he
2: was like a seven, two, seven, three. I would yeah. say more so like, um, you know. Uh, like a bear. KD. And yes, an K- ancient KD. Like if yeah, you know yeah, like how, yeah, yeah. Um, what's it called? Like uh, evolution. It's like the yes. very first version. You know what I mean? Yes, right, right. yes. Um, I feel like he was the beginning of what was – um. A, the
1: stretch four, stretch yes, four,
2: exactly.
0: Probably, yeah, definitely, and I agree, with, and I agree with that. I have to, so you know, they had they had Ralph already, so then they set. draft the table is getting
1: yeah, King, and then they draft after. a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. of course, everyone knows that's that that's the twin towers right there. Yep. And, but before
0: before wait before we move on though, sorry, I don't mean to cut you yeah. off, but I do have to ask this before we move on, obviously to the eighty to eighty six because that was we have to talk about that. It's a huge year in terms of Rockets uh-huh, history, man. but and I want to ask you real. Real quick, coach, Uh, because I can't skip this. And I have to ask you because you love Jordan. If the number one pick was in Vincent Koo's hands, if he was the GM of the Houston Rockets, who do you pick? In
2: 84? In 84. I I I I feel like that's an easy pick.
1: I, uh-huh. I think I still would have picked Hakeem. Oh, okay. I think I still con- would have consensus number. One. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah.
2: As yeah,
1: much right. as, as much as Mike was being scouted back then. Um, and he was, ta- he, he had a great college career. So did, so did, um, I mean, so did Hakeem mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. Clyde. Clyde had gone out like a year or two before the 84 draft. So, yeah. you know, the five slamma jamma years in, in Cougars history. I mean, They were lighting it up, but Mike only had one championship in his college career. He got, I think, his rook his freshman year, yeah, won with that shot. Mm -hmm. And then the following two years, he stayed. He didn't stay. He didn't do just jump right after the second year. He jumped after the third year. So he actually stayed in college longer than. People
0: tend to forget that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, you know, Mike developed more a more mature game but it wasn't like it wasn't like he was consensus number one Mm
0: -hmm. hakeem
1: or akim at the time Mm -hmm. he was lighting it up and and so and back then remember the game was centered around the big man the the middle yeah the middle Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the way to go through a championship is to have a Kareem or a Bill Russell or a Will Chamberlain that was that was the game for most of the NBA Mm -hmm. history yep so at that time Patrick Mm -hmm. Ewing and Hakeem Olajuwon those were the two that were being scouted in college in the early 80s and so when when Pat went out the year before or was it the year after it was the year
2: after yeah because
1: you know he wanted that uh he wanted that uh number championship one. too yeah so yeah and then yeah the draft pick they knew that akeem was coming out so he, he didn't want to get number two so you're gonna stay around and 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 one more year in college just to to improve your draft standings mm-hmm. but yeah i think i still would have taken akeem just okay, because okay. if i was houston i at that time i had ralph sure i didn't need a guard you know, ball heavy guard.
2: Yeah, we had Rodney, Rodney McCrae, John Lucas. Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. I wanted I wanted it to go down low. And Ralph, even though he was tall, he didn't play the, the middle like Hakeem did. Hakeem yeah. was the prototypical next evolution in, in what people scout was the next evolution big man. Yeah. See, even Charlie's saying that's right. See?
0: Hello.
1: That's what my dad said. That's what yeah. he's saying. That's Agre- what my dad in
0: said. In agreement, in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> So let's move on here, but before we move on, I want to give you guys a quick ad about the greatest and best retro anime store in the entire city of H Town, and that is Day Off. You tired of the same old anime tees? You tired of the same old mallcore look? The first colony mallcore look for you Sugarland folk? Don't you want to see some older classic animes getting love? Well, be sure to check out the brand Day Off for your retro anime goods from animes like Macross and Neon Genesis Evangelion to Cowboy Bebop, My Hero Academia, and my personal favorite Shokugeki no Soma. Day Off is your source for anime-induced graphic mayhem. You can use the code right now, Day Off Summit, for a 10% off discount at dayoff.shop. That is D-A-Y-O-F-F dot shop. Telling you guys right now, it's the greatest, best place to go for if you guys love anime. Definitely something that's not closeted anymore. Definitely something that is at the forefront of culture. It's definitely culture changing. Right out there for you. dot shop. Well, let's move on here. Let's talk about let's let's talk about the 86 Houston Rockets. It's the birth of the Twin Towers. Uh boys, yeah, yeah. obviously, with a great roster, great roster around it. Uh, you had a lot of great players. John Lucas was there, Rodney McRae was there. Uh, Robert Reed was there. Mitchell Wiggins uh, father. Andrew Wiggins was there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you you had a great roster. Um, And I want to direct question over to you, GM. Uh, And obviously we didn't live in that time, Mm -hmm. but to, to get to experience it secondhand, to see clips on YouTube, to kind of Mm -hmm. review back on the series. I know you have a good knowledge on it, on your shoulders, Mm -hmm. on it. Obviously the big game winner in game five to eliminate the Lakers on top of that, all that. Yeah. Um, but what was your overall opinion of Hakeem, and Ralph Sampson, and that Houston Rockets in '86? Did they have that? Was that their best chance of winning a title outside '94, '95?
2: Um, yeah, but I would say 2018 is higher. They they were the better team. I, I, I mean, I'm going to vault 2018 up there. They're the team that missed '86 would not have won a title because they ran into. May, the probably the greatest team ever assembled outside of the '96 Bulls, which Good was the '86 Celtics. 86, yep. They went, they went forty and one throughout the regular season in the Boston Garden. They just never lost at home. That's just not how it was in the '80s. You know, like when the Lakers would go there and play the Celtics, they rarely won in Boston. So it was just, it was a thing. We were not ready in regards to being in that position but it was a good experience we were, i would basically compare the 86 rockets to the 20 was it 2012 thunder the year that the miami heat yeah. won the title with lebron so yeah. they were like right at the precipice of it if it weren't for the injuries for ralph that would have been it, things could have changed In all honesty. But I mean, in regards to 86, there were so many other things that were happening in regards to the Houston Rockets. Uh, No one remembers that Mitchell Wiggins was taken down because Mm -hmm. it did random drug testing. They, like, they were like, so if anyone remembers, like, cocaine was such a huge thing in the middle of the 80s. -hmm. And a lot of players and a lot of athletes in many sports were exploring it. And unfortunately, the Rockets were heavy in that usage same as people from the lakers or the nuggets and you know if people watch baseball dwight Gooden and daryl strawberry there was such a it was such a huge thing in the 80s and i read the story online about how there was a i mean it's a conspiracy right so you know the rockets were on the come up and the lakers and the celtics were the teams okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. houston was not a money maker same as said now They were basically placed in a, it was in Denver where they were told, like, oh, you're gonna, like, we're not gonna have drug tests for y'all. Don't worry. A dummy went over there to tell them. And so a lot of the boys went to party. The next day, drug test, boom. And even the coach, (laughs) they asked, they asked Wiggins, like, yo, did you take it? He's like, nope. And he failed and he had the highest amount ever of any player. Tested for cocaine at that point in time. Jesus. So Ooh. it was yeah. Horrible. <laughs> and it was him. It was John. I think it was John Lucas or John, John Lucas. Lucas. Yep. John Lucas. Oh yeah. Heavy and, on that because um, yeah. I think Lewis Lloyd was the one who was running the point after that. Because if it wasn't for John Lucas going down, we would have had an opportunity against the Celtics as he was a great starter. Yeah. He was a great shooter and compliment to Akeem. That's right, that's right. Lewis Lloyd wasn't that guy. So it kind of took down a lot of what we were trying to do at that point in time and it really, really sucked. Yeah. So because of that, Akeem lost his chance. And Samson had hurt his hip in the middle of the season. I know I'm like rambling on about 80s. No,
1: no, no, no. That's I most of this is new to me too. I didn't yeah. know it was I thought it was just John's I thought it was just John Lucas that got I did it.
2: a lot of reading on it. Um, yeah, he's randomly. Done. I was yeah. bored one day, yeah. and I ran into an article, and I read so much about it, and I started to look into it, and this is what happens when I go down the rabbit hole. Anything yeah. with the rockets, this kind of happens. Yeah, but, right, right, right. Yeah, it was it's interesting it
1: was, though. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. history, you, and I
2: mean there's exactly. There's a lot of, of conspiracy. It's a cautionary. It's a, cautionary, then, tale. It's exactly. a cautionary tale. Cautionary Yeah, you know, it's it, 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 at that point in time. Fun was a huge thing. It's
0: different kinds (laughs) of fun now. You know, because it's video well nowadays it's video games. You know, let's play. Yeah. Let's play on Twitch. It's a different you know, let's go on social media. That's their fun. That's what the young player sees as their fun. But Mm Dude, I didn't I didn't even like I I'm right there with uh, Vincent. I didn't even know any of this. So the GM really kept this in his back pocket ready to mm. unleash it to the world. So Yeah, I it's... really
2: like that backstory of that team because that was a yeah. team that they even stated like people um always oh, it on ESPN and say that like 86 was probably the greatest team that never accomplished what it was supposed to do. Because like the there was so much talent.
1: Yeah, all I know is Either the year after or soon after that, that's when they traded Ralph Sampson. That's why yeah. that '86 year was, was like best that was that year, yeah. Because yeah. I think they they went to the finals consecutive years that the '85, '86, uh, and '87. No,
2: eighty-seven. They got Eight. eliminated in the semifinals. Semi-final. Because Samson was hurt and he couldn't play.
0: And that was the I like believe. his last. Eighty-six was his last like great Good year, year, right before yeah. before before uh, injuries derailed him. Yeah, Coach. I want to ask you. I do want to ask that to you. So, so what is your? What, give me your opinion on nineteen eighty-six. Just overall. Obviously, your memories uh, were a little li- a little fuzzy. I know you were younger. Yeah, but I wasn't, um, yeah, yeah, I
1: wasn't. Fo- I wasn't following much basketball, but I was, of course. At that time, anything. I think eighty six is when I first started watching the not the Rockets, but basketball, mm-hmm. a little more closely, and and that's when I also fell in love with Michael Jordan. So a little less Rockets, a little more Chicago Bulls during that time. Okay, and uh, but I did know that uh, that our Rockets did go to the finals, and so that's why I was I was still cheering, and I and I remember seeing Ralph Sampson. That was kind of how i saw a dynamic duo would would basically pan out in in later years it's you know the it wasn't inside out game it wasn't even it was just the the way that each ralph and and hakeem complemented each other with you know complementary players Mm -hmm. out you know uh, along on the team that's how i thought okay we have a chance and then the the next year we didn't do so well. I just remember we 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 didn't go to the finals or or came short. Mm-hmm. And then I remembered Ralph Sanson got traded and I was like, huh, okay. So I guess we're gonna go just Hakeem. And and I didn't have much uh say in the Yeah, that. I didn't I didn't have any I had hope, but I didn't have as much as because I, I I didn't know much of Ralph before, you know. Hakeem got traded and and onto the Rockets. So to trade him, I was like, okay, maybe we're gonna go just straight Hakeem Olajuwon and then you know maybe draft better players or whatnot. So mm-hmm. it mm. was it was definitely I wasn't like, oh damn, that was our last chance, or oh that was our best chance. I was like, okay, there was a chance, and then just we'll slowly progressed. Yeah, progressively mm-hmm. got worse and worse. <laughs> uh, not not necessarily in a rebuilding phase because with Hakeem, we always were in the middle of. In the playoff hunt, were, it just there, yeah. It just never was consistently on the top end of that of that mm-hmm. hunt.
0: Yeah, yep. and, and, and good thoughts, good thoughts, especially uh, because you know, 1986 they lost in six games against Boston. So they still, I, I looked at the stats over in the box score, and they were, you know, it, it, the few blowouts here and there, and Rockets blew them out in Game Five. But overall, though, I mean, you like you like. It. Like they were in it. They didn't lose in five. They didn't lose in. They didn't get swept. You know, yeah, force the yeah. game. Yeah, you know, get 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 it to game seven, and you just never know. So you never, you know, you never know. So it's one of those what ifs, and in, in, in Rockets history, obviously. But good stuff, good stuff. Let's proceed forward here. Let's talk about. So as we progress through, so we just got through '86. Ralph Sampson goes down with an injury. Uh Rockets kind of start bottoming out, bottom of the barrel, with Hakeem Olajuwon trying to carry the team. Obviously, you guys kind of know where I'm going with this. It leads to kind of the derailment of, of the organization in Akeem Olajuwon. They start butting heads here. Now I looked, I'm looking at stats here and he and then and, and, and Akeem Olajuwon's playing phenomenally. He's averaging at least 21 points a game, 21 and a half, and averaging at least 12 rebounds a game. So he is putting up mm-hmm. MVP numbers averaging mm-hmm. at least 50% from the floor. So he is putting up great numbers. But obviously the team just isn't successful. So it obviously leads to, you know, the the big thing where he starts uh, complaining to management and we start getting these echoes of wanting a trade. And so, you know, as we progress now to the early 90s, obviously. So I do want to ask, first, Coach, give me your recollection or memories of that. Um, Obviously, like I said, you're still a little young here, but like, do you you have like any vivid memories at all about Hakeem wanting out or Akeem? Before he becomes a team <laughs> Um,
1: you know, okay, so I I don't recall. Um, I think what what was what was the the big the big takeaway here is how the media handled all the contract disputes. I'm sure all the sports mm-hmm. shows and stuff were were documenting it, but within Houston, I don't recall anything. Where he was publicly saying, "I want out" or "I need a new contractor." You need to get me help. It, Houston was still very welcoming to Hakeem. Um, they they definitely wanted him there. They they definitely wanted to you know to to back him and try to bring a championship to Houston. You know they were doing everything I think possibly they they could. Um, you know to me the takeaway is just you know how media now is like uh if if a if there's any inkling of a player not liking where they are and they kind of leak information that they don't want to stay there anymore mm-hmm. not only does the the national media um broadcast it and then they start debating it they, the the local news starts kind of like putting their two cents in there and either asking you know that players you know, in a circle and whatnot, and then it kind of, like, distanced them. Um, I mean, like, look at how the James Harden thing kind of panned out. I just know, I don't know how it was in Houston, but, you know, nationally and what I read, it went from James Harden was the best thing that ever happened to Houston to all of a sudden Houston was, like, quiet, like, literally didn't want to say anything whether they wanted to keep him or not. You know, James was the only one that says, hey, Houston is where I started. This is where I got big. I got loyalty for Houston. That's kind of I think why you know Rockets fans didn't like straight boo him mm-hmm. or straight like leave you don't you don't want to stay here leave you know they they knew that he was very loyal but they were kind of conflicted. So yeah. I think that that shows what kind of like community Houston was wh- whether you know Hakeem was having issues with the team or not the community still was behind Hakeem, wanted him there, wanted him to get that championship for him and for the city. So I like any discourse or any kind of like bad ill will towards Hakeem. I didn't see it. I didn't read about it. I didn't feel it. You know, I just thought, okay, we're still rebuilding. We're still getting those pieces hey. in each draft. We're getting each free agent. We're getting a, you know, a uh, little bit better here, you know. We we shored up our guards. We we got the the big men to help with the with the interior defense. You know that every year there was always like one or two pickups that was like, okay, that's working. We got them under contract. But with Akeem, I was just like I I just thought he was gonna stay forever. So
0: of course, of course, good thought. Oh man, so good thoughts, good thoughts. I didn't even understand. Like, I didn't even know that 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 like it's cool that you kind of have the the. The recollection of the city of Houston at that time. So I think that's actually yeah. really cool to know. So GM, let me ask a direct question over to you. Obviously, we, we don't you know, we didn't live in that time. But um, the Clutch City documentary documents it back in 2015 very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to going to the fact that they went as far as Houston was it accusing of mm-hmm. Hakeem of faking an injury. Mm-hmm. On top of that, attests, Hakim attests. Hakeem will attest to this day that he was really injured. So, GM, I have to ask you. I have to ask you, what was your belief, or if you were in this equation, who would you have sided with, in terms of you know Hakeem and the, you know Hakeem and the Rockets organization?
2: It's hard to say because we've seen this uh, recently with Kawhi in San Antonio, mm-hmm. where he refused to play. He wasn't feeling it, and San Antonio said he was good. But in my opinion at that point in time, I don't know. I might've sided with the Rockets because of the fact it was before the point we had won anything. We hadn't Mm. been winning. We've been sucking. So it would make sense. in Hakeem's MO since he was a complainer in the Mm -hmm. eighties. People tend to forget that that, he had
0: an attitude. Yes. 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 He had a big attitude.
2: I mean, I hate to say it in that way because hindsight is 2020 obviously. And we, I mean, I believe that he was hurt, but I probably would have been like, maybe he's not as hurt as he's saying.
1: But yeah, I mean, at something maybe, yeah, something. But you know, didn't see, and I think back then, you know, a lot more players were sorry, playing through a lot it. more players were yeah playing through a lot more smaller yeah. injuries, yeah, and so they, you know, it kind of showed more in their stats than the, than it was in in like playing time, you know, instead of just um, taking you know, an extra day off or load, load management is how yeah. they call it. Now yeah. they're just kind of playing through. And then instead of ha- having like a full 30 minutes, they'll just play 25 and, you know, just get their minimum stats and then they'll just sit them for the, if they know they're going to get blown out or if they know they, they blew True. somebody out. That's it. True. I mean, if, it,
2: if anybody remembers, like even like, well, so this was like 92, like in 90, 91 is when he got hurt the year before. When he got elbowed by Bill Cartwright in the eye, uh-huh. so he was wearing the goggles. He was goggles. Yeah. 90, yep. oh, don't, don't
0: mean to cut you. Don't mean to cut you off. But remember, uh, shout outs to mom who yeah, was in the hospital. Picture. She has a picture mm-hmm. with Akeem Olajuwon with the eyes. So shout out to mom. Love you, mom. Yeah. Anyways, mom. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. She <laughs> took care of him
2: when because like they were the one like they were one of the people that had to patch him up. But yep, yep. yeah, like he had been hurt. You know, the eye thing is not his fault, obviously, but maybe in regards to seeing what he had seen the year before and how they were playing without him. It's kind of just like, I don't need to be here. Let's just, let's just let me, let me sit, you know, like punt on the season. They didn't even make the playoffs that year that he, yeah, yep. they were there. It was like 91, 92. That was the only year they missed the playoffs mm-hmm. since like his rookie year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in regards to that, it's just, it's mind boggling. So, I understand where he's coming from it's it's a very sensitive thing professional sports man there's a lot of people on the side of the coin who' just like just play you're getting paid millions i mean course, granted not millions at that point in time but you're getting paid a lot of money if for, yeah, if for yeah. 1992
0: for paid money. more than the average joe that's for sure they, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and okay oh, yeah
2: that's that's that's, that's the, there was a lot happening uh, but at the, at the same time, you can't blame Hakeem. He's protecting himself. He is his own investment. And mm-hmm. if he doesn't believe he's 100%, then he, he shouldn't have to play. Yeah. You know? It's a different world. There's a different measuring stick for professional athletes in regards mm-hmm. to putting in work, quote-unquote. Of course, of course. But, so, yeah, I'm just saying that I would probably would have sided with Houston. Not mm. even going to lie to you. <laughs>
0: Keep, yeah. it real. Keep it real. That's fine. That's fine. So obviously so that that takes place and they're they're all kind of coming and 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 to c- continue on they're all kind of coming at ahead here let's continue to chronicle on his career so uh i don't know coach if you saw the clutch city documentary it was very informative on Hakeem's career uh but it was like they showed it on nba tv like in 2015 the- mm, he talks no Akeem, i don't think i did i'm gonna send that i'm gonna send it to you after this yes uh, please yes so um he talks about the big thing for him was uh he found Islam two things he found Islam and then they had they had games in uh uh GM go ahead and confirm for me Japan was it Japan Yeah
2: two they had two games in Japan to start against the 92 the Seattle season, yeah. season It was in the pre, it
0: preseason preseason yep. So no, no it was the, it was regular season, season? Oh, oh shoot oh, oh, okay.
1: regular season I remember yeah. those I remember okay. those. Yes. overseas so, games okay
0: see that's why i need you all to be to confirm to confirm for me because uh, I'm, I'm going based on memories here so let's let's talk about this going let's talk about this going forward so two things one he found islam two so cute by the way so cute <laughs> <laughs> two he uh two the he says on the documentary there was a 12 hour flight from uh from japan going back into houston so he's like yo i'm stuck on a plane let's just hash this out so charlie thomas and Hakeem come together. It's a, like a coming to Jesus moment, um, mm. where they decide, yo, okay, like we need you, you need us, let's figure this out. So then yes. Hakeem said by the end of the plane ride, it was all good hakeem said he got to he got to an agreement with his uh with his ownership he got to in a better place with his teammates he got to solve his issues with charlie thomas as well as vernon and uh you know any of his issues with his teammates on top of that so yeah. it was starting to, so once that happened once ownership, and i've always believed once ownership and your franchise player or your management and your franchise player are like locked in yeah. then you you have, yes. something, you have something to go with. And like, yeah. obviously, let's not even discount the fact that Rudy T joins, becomes the coach on top of that. So it's all yeah. kind of starting to come together now. He finds Islam. He hashes it out with Charlie Thomas, gets closer with his teammates. So, Coach, mm-hmm. I have to ask you, once the buildup starts happening, you can kind of see it piece by piece by yes piece. leading up to 93 uh with the uh, uh the sonics elimination in game seven what were you seeing and you know how did you feel when you started seeing it come together with Otis Thorpe Robert on and so forth
1: I can I can clearly know I can clearly clearly remember my like my excitement for something is brewing every year uh just the fact that you know, you could see, t- um, you know, the play on this on the court getting better and better. Every, you know, I think we had just added. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to remember. I know Ori was new.
0: Ori was a rookie. Had, yeah,
1: yeah. Ori was a rookie. Vern Kenny. We had Thorpe. Um, Do we have Thorpe? At Thorpe time? was there. Thorpe was Thorpe there. Already. Was there. Um, yeah. Um. Who was out? Carrera,
2: Matt Bullard. Yeah, um, I mean Sleepy Floyd was still there. Sleepy,
1: Sleepy was. Sleepy was. Mm
2: -hmm. not Rollins.
1: Yeah, Tree Rollins was the the big (laughs) backup. I just remember Sleepy Floyd. I I looked him up. I remember looking him up because I was like, oh, this guy is is a good player, but he was on his on his way down. But I think he he still was like he still was like lighting it up on certain nights. Mm -hmm. But he was a good back to to Kenny. Um, And Vern and just just the fact that you could see and and Rudy T getting his you could see his inside out game game plan coming to fruition. When you see that they they put Kenny and Vern out there, Mm
0: -hmm. excuse
1: me, OT on the on the block with Akeem at the high block. And then you could see how. I wouldn't say it was a. It was like you know how Phil Jackson runs their the triangle offense. It it set up similar, but it wasn't at all like a, a triangle motion offense. It was just in and out, in and out. You put in it and in Hakeem. Yeah, yeah Hakeem is he's in the center and he could see everyone. He could mm-hmm. see where everyone's at, and if you double wherever you double, you're gonna you're gonna face uh, either a three point shot or someone's going to drive to the hole. I yeah. mean, you had. Vern and Sleepy that can go right to the rim. You had Kenny and Vern that could shoot it from the outside. Ot was on the other block, right, ready for a rebound. I mean, it was set. It was you could see that game plan. Even though you could, you, you had a defense that could be like catered to that. The Rockets, you could see, were were really in sync with each other mm-hmm. every game, every year. Yep. And so that that heartbreak loss to Seattle, I was just like we were so close. That was the one that I was like heartbroken. Yeah. I was just like, Oh, we were so close. I mean, even more so than the, uh, the John Stockton three after yeah. <laughs> over Charles Barkley. Yeah. I mean, that one, yeah. I knew we were, we were putting together pieces that mm-hmm. on paper look good. Right. There. You know, big name. Yeah. Big yeah. names. But, mm-hmm. but yeah. as a team and as a cohesive team that had worked together that seattle loss uh i was just like that could have been could have been a three-peat could have been a three-peat uh, yeah, 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 th- no
0: that. one was going to beat that 93 team yeah Kim, i have to ask you i was yeah. going to direct the question over to you yeah. now so i want to ask you your uh-huh. overall thoughts of uh of a key of hakeem Hockey yeah, hockey uh-huh. he Hakeem changed, Olajuwon, yeah. Starting to trust his teammates, starting to trust uh-huh. the starting to build, knowing uh-huh. that he has he can kick out and have three point yeah. shooters like well, what uh, what coach said so well, you
2: before let me piggyback on what Vince said, because if anyone recalls that series against Seattle, we did not have home court advantage. No, Seattle man. and Houston tied, and Seattle won that season series. But if anyone recalls the last game of the season, 92-93. We had a game against the Spurs and David Robinson made a shot at the buzzer to put them over the top. But the crazy thing was that was before review. He, if anyone saw the replay or heard the mythos of that uh, play, Robinson let go of the ball after the buzzer. Yep. So yep. we should have won that game, which in well, part such thing would, as have us, would, have would have put us at court the advantage. Yes. Would have put us ah, at the yes. two seats ah. because that's Houston Seattle series. No away team won a game it was home team won every single game. So that would have changed the whole trajectory of the team because mm-hmm. at that, in regards to that, we would have played Phoenix in the conference finals to get to Chicago. And Phoenix was not nearly as strong of a team as Seattle. Granted, Charles was the MVP that year, Yeah. but Seattle was not a good matchup against Phoenix when we were a better matchup against Phoenix in regards to um, challenge. Correct. So, yeah. It would have been a completely different world, you know? Like, I don't even know. And Vince, I believe that you're probably right. We could have had a three-peat. But if Chicago loses to us in 93, does Michael retire? That's the thing. Oh, regardless. Because that might have given him the fire to stay. He was burnt out. Correct. Correct. He was so burnt out at that point in time. But would he have come back and been like, man, Houston beat us.
1: I gotta get that. Yep, exactly. I'm saying that, man. Yeah, yeah. That. I mean, we'll get into that a little more, but just to put my two cents. Yes, he would have stayed. He would have stayed. Now,
2: I I think uh, there
1: was a lot. There was a lot of other things outside of basketball that made Michael not come back. Mm -hmm. His father mostly, but uh, other mythos, gambling, Mm -hmm. all those other things that he needed to take a break. And from my understanding, David Stern was about to was about to kick him out because of that gambling Mm -hmm. so he he himself took himself out because he didn't want to get punished by the nba or you know whatever they were going to do to him
2: look not look bad yes having to punish so
1: there was a lot of things outside of basketball that mike chose to Mm -hmm. put himself out so that's why i think he didn't want to come back but yes if 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 every if you said we had the number 2 seed home court advantage we ended up you know looking at chicago in the finals um that would have been the challenge because i don't think other than orlando which mike really didn't face until after he came I, back yeah until after he came back and then patrick ewing too just they, they never faced yeah then yeah you know Hakeem was the only other player that he could not get over the hump at least mm-hmm. in when it counted the most at least you know in the in the playoffs that was as dominant as him Mike yeah so yeah. Mm-hmm. if if Mike got beat by Hakeem that would have affected yeah his most like I would say 80 90 yeah. percent he would have been back he would yeah. have never have taken two and a half years off and we would have, we would have been fighting for the championship those two, the back to back years. It's yeah. the, col- sure.
0: it's the collision that, the mm. that we deserved, but we never got. Yeah, so, yeah. Good, good thoughts, good thoughts. But yeah, um, you know, yeah. like, but
2: in regards to so, that coach, that Seattle, games, yeah, yeah. In regards to like the fit of the team, you could see that Rudy T, like Vince said, he molded the offense around Hakim. Hakim was the greatest post player at that point and probably the greatest post player of all time let's just let's yep. not get it twisted he was averaging what five to six assists a game in addition yeah. to his 12 rebounds 25 points
1: and three blocks three,
2: yeah three blocks two steals a game two
1: steals yeah who like, who had a stat back then that had that kind of like, nobody variety no i mean good, yeah. you're seeing yeah. it now you're seeing it now
0: well, well, because, well, the game—it's it, not the even pace. coming out of the post. Yeah, it's the pace. Exactly. It's not even it's coming pace. out of the post. People don't yeah. talk about Akeem's vision enough. Akeem's vision out of the post was phenomenal. Uh huh.
2: Like, he played. The, he did this with less possessions per game. Think about that's it. the thing. And these were the games when, like, ninety-two yeah, to eighty-six exactly. were your normal everyday scores. You know what I mean? We're now in one twenty with ease. Yeah, you know, and the that's, pace is super slow. Yeah, you're right. Eighties and nineties. So Eighties and nineties. Yeah, that's more of a testament to Hakeem's talent in mm-hmm. maximizing his time on the court and the effect that he made, not just through his game, but in everybody else's game. Do you see Vernon Maxwell gaining the confidence to hit big shots? That's because of Hakeem. Kenny yeah. Smith having the balls to hit shots in games one in 95 finals that's because of hakeem you, yeah. 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 like well, I mean, you know yeah yeah guys like mario you know
1: i mean you can even go back to what michael jordan said about you know steve kerr bj mm-hmm. armstrong it's like he can take you there but he still needed you to be ready to when right, i pass you the ball you mm-hmm. need to make it and it's it, you know it's just a, a matter of Instead of passing it to you when he's got the ball on the wing, mm-hmm. he's drawing the defense so you have yep. room to shoot yep. it. Mm-hmm. And then he's he's trusting you, yep. trusting Vernon, trusting mm-hmm. you know Kenny, mm-hmm. uh, even the occasional Matt Bullard on the side on the mm-hmm. you know on the side three mm-hmm. that I'm gonna give you the ball when I draw your defender off of you so that you can hit the shot. Give you a better chance to hit the shot. I know you can't hit it with a with a hand in your face, so I'll draw them out on the blow block, and then I'll pass it out to you.
2: Yep, that's right. That's right. It was just amazing to me how uh, that offense was catered to Akeem in the sense to make him like the point center. Yeah, and the concepts that really came up with.
1: The one thing I will add to, and this I just kind of been trying to look back over the years of all the championship, and and you can you can. Say if you think of one, but he's the only championship team clearly that has one superstar. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, mm-hmm. everyone needs two, or nice. they talk about two. And I'm like, look, look at that first championship year. Look at even that Seattle series. We almost won. You, can you call Robert Orie a superstar, or even even an R-O-T? all-star? Or OT? Yeah. Mm, no, but you. But you clearly saw what they, what their role was. And that's when the definition of a role player was was uh, the biggest, you know, as evident as it was even to this day. Today, today's game, like they talk about Brooklyn, the big three or big two or whatever. They have no role players. They have three main scorers mm-hmm. and, you know, eight backup players that just kind of fill in roles. They mm-hmm. don't do anything. No one's like a big, no one's there just to rebound. No one's there to just draw a defender. No one's there to defend only. You know that mm-hmm. you could say, "Oh, he's a defensive specialist," but they don't put him. They don't put that person on. The, you know the the high scoring player of of the other team. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. But yeah. we had that.
0: so funny.
1: Was yeah, Vernon Maxwell was always on the the their best player, regardless of yeah. size.
0: What's going on, everyone? It's the commissioner here. I have a great story following what coach said, it's going to be coming up in just a second, a very funny story regarding Akeem and Vernon Maxwell, but before we do that, we need to go ahead and plug in an ad of the greatest and best barbershop in the entire city of H-Town, that's right, the one and only place where the GM and the commissioner get their haircuts, I can't believe I just talked about myself in the third person, (laughs) myself and the GM get our haircuts since 2016, and it is the greatest and best barbershop known as the Arga League. Have you ever wanted to look like a gentleman in a place where you can get a haircut and a shot of whiskey, all would be taken care of by top shelf professional barbers? That's right, this right here is the Argyle League where me and the GM have been receiving our haircuts since 2016. What makes Argyle the coolest barbershop in the world? They were voted coolest barbershop in the world. They've worked with Radio 610 in Hope Lodge, Houston. They were the exclusive barbershop for the NCAA Final Four in 2016, and that is just a few of their kick-ass accolades. So if you're tired of your hair and you want to look like a gentleman, I highly recommend going to the Argyle League and getting a fresh cut from one of their kick-ass barbers. They're currently located at 709 West Alabama Street in Houston, Texas. You can visit their website now, the theargaleague.com to book an appointment. I'll say it again, theargaleague.com to book an appointment. You can also book an appointment by calling them in, calling their number. Uh, the guy, man, the manager, Alex, is, will probably be the one to pick up the phone. Get it all arranged for you. I'm telling you right now, there's really no barber that you would prefer to go to, honestly. All the barbers there are kick-ass. They're all professionals. They all know what to do. Where else can you get a shot of whiskey complimentary? Where else can you get a can of beer complimentary? This is the only place in the entire city of Houston where you can look like a gentleman whilst having a shot of whiskey or having a can of beer, all for a great price. Go ahead and go ahead and book with them now. TheArgyleague.com to book an appointment and tell them the summit state of mind sent you. With that said, stay sharp, gentlemen, and meet us at the summit. And it's interesting right? that you say that. And it's interesting that you say that because there's uh, before before we move on to the next topic, which is obviously going to be the biggest topic, the championship yes. run in '94. <laughs> very interesting. Those those interesting story. And I think the GM knows this, but the the reason why Vernon and Akeem ended up coming together was based off a funny story that happened back in the locker room where uh, where Vernon was frustrated at the refs. I think this was against Seattle at some point during the early seasons, uh, maybe like '92. Uh, vernon maxwell started getting so upset that vernon said he started spitting on the floor he was like i don't know what he said i don't know why it just starts spitting because he's upset so they go back to the locker room hakeem goes up to him nose to nose and goes hey man have some class stop spitting on the floor and then vernon and then vernon goes what you going and then vernon says you know f you or whatever he says something you know uh, explicit and then hakeem go- Hakim tilts his head and goes what'd you say to me and then he goes bah Smacks him. him dead in the face. Smack Vernon right in his face, like right in his cheek. And like Vernon was like, "Okay." Oh, wow. Vernon's like, "Okay, I get it now." So they go back on a <laughs> flight on a flight back to Houston. Hakeem, being the captain that he is, being the leader that he is, sits down with Vernon, explains to him, "Okay, this is what why we I did what I did. You know, da da da. It was a coming to Jesus moment for them." And then Vernon says, "Yo, it was squash from then on." I trusted him. He told me how much I mattered to the team and that gave me all the confidence in the world to perform for him. So, you know, like that alone, like that's the story here because that will, that leapfrogs us into 94 now, because those are the key pieces here. They'll ultimately bring a championship, obviously with Otis Thorpe and, you know, so on and so forth with, uh, with all the other players, but it, it starts with those two as the foundational pieces, including Rudy T. So let's talk about that. There's an ownership change, uh, there's an ownership change. Los Alexander, the luckiest man in uh, ownership history, uh, the, who had nothing, who had nothing, who, in my opinion, had nothing to do with this championship run whatsoever. Luckiest owner in NBA history just kind of gets into this, and uh, obviously we have to talk about this with Akeem Olajuwon in the '94 season. They win the NBA championship. I, if correct me if I'm wrong, I'm going to ask you guys, my stat gurus, uh, only NBA player in NBA history to win the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and Finals MVP. Mm-hmm. Still, still, the still, still the only still the only right. Okay. Yeah. And on top of the fact that we didn't even talk about uh, he's the only player to have multiple quadruple doubles. Mm-hmm. And he's still
1: Street. the only still, still the, the only
0: <laughs> with still the only with, you know, that that's the thing. So, you know, so let's talk about 94. We have to devote a good chunk of time just to this because this is it. This is it. This is they coming together. They had a great training camp in Galveston. Now they're ready to attack. They're ready to take over. Jordan's not in the league, but they weren't going to let that be an excuse. This is their time, their time to win a championship. They had all the they had all the confidence in the world. Coach, I have to ask you, you lived it. You were there. You were there at that moment. You were at the precipice. You were step for step, stride for stride with that team. Give me your direct memories on what you thought about that whole season.
1: Oh, I, that was the season. I mean, I think the whole family was following the Rockets. Like,
0: not did even. Feel, did you feel something special? Like, oh, everything. Air?
1: was... Yeah, yeah. Though, I think it wasn't that we were dominant throughout the regular season. It was just that we clearly were were winning with team with uh, teamwork and. And with everybody pitching in every game, other than Hakeem, you had somebody who stepped in and, and did their role. And, Mm -hmm. and you didn't have to count on just one person to, to help Hakeem win the game. You had the whole team. So one night, you know, it would have been a Matt Bullard three or something, or, and then the next night Sam Cassell would make that dish to Robert Ori to, or, and then Otis Thorpe would get that defensive rebound or, or a block and then, But you knew, you know, Hakeem was there. He would get you 80, 90% of the way and everyone else pitched
0: in. That's right. Mm -hmm.
1: That's why it was, it wasn't, you know, Hakeem was always spectacular. But the team was also spectacular. Like everyone on that that roster was basically known. Everyone had, you know, uh, a role that clearly was defined you couldn't really, if you stopped one, you couldn't really stop all the others. Like, you know, everyone had that nowadays had the issue of like, if you have two superstars, you have to stop one, but you can't really stop both. Mm -hmm. This one is like, you could stop Hakeem, but you can't stop the whole team. Mm -hmm. You stop the whole team, but you can't stop Hakeem. You know, you it's, it, it literally was, if you want to, if you want to look at it as a metaphor. Yeah. Like Hakeem and the team, those were your two superstars for that team Mm -hmm. for, for the Rockets. You either let Hakeem get his due and he'll beat you by himself. The Rock, you know, the rest of the team doesn't have to do much. Those are probably mm, 40% of the time. But what happened was Hakeem got his regular, you know, 20, 10, 2, and 3. But then the rest of the team got
0: sprinkles of
1: 80 points or seven you know did the other 65 they got you the win the defensive mm-hmm. stop the mm-hmm. the covering the two wings or or you know stopping their best player mm-hmm. enough that they didn't have to go they didn't have to do too much so yes. it was have, yeah yeah it was it was a it was magical like you had it was a good buildup let's just say that like from the start we had hope there was a lot of hope and then the buildup was good enough that it was every game was like, OK, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then, OK, OK. And then when you got when you were like hovering around the top, we were, I think, the top of our division, but not necessarily the Western Conference. Yeah. We were like, OK, we're still there. We're going to do it again. We're going yeah. to it's like a, we're going to rematch with with Seattle because I think Seattle was.
0: Number so, one, they were number yeah. one at that year. Yeah.
1: Yep. So we were like okay, big one eight. We're it was rematch- big
0: one eight elimination yes so so yeah no good stuff and and we don't even talk about we didn't even like i didn't even talk about the fact that uh the that rockets team had won 15 in a row just to start the season, yeah, yeah, start the season. they were 22 and 1 i think yep. I yes. 22 and yes. 1 after
2: 23 games yep. so
0: like my god like you just talk about that alone and and you're right i want to piggyback before i ask a gm a question real quick i want to piggyback on what what coach said you're talking about the most definitive team in terms of Each player knowing exactly what their role was and giving 110% and no one being selfish no one being selfish at all and understanding what they needed to do to catapult each other to get to that next level and and i think it it says it alone and it speaks alone to hakeem's um humility where he jumped from being probably one of the cockiest players in the nba to where where he was as a humble human being i mean for god's sakes when he was presented the mvp trophy he brought his whole team on the court to lift the trophy with him i mean Uh no one had Uh ever seen it no one had ever seen it before like that alone is is, it was enough to give. I mean, I didn't even live in that time. And I get goosebumps seeing that because that is something. And Kenny Smith always and Kenny Smith has said he was like he was like, you know, when I was on that court with him, he made me feel that that was my MVP. Like, Mm -hmm. come on. Like, that was amazing. So, GM, I have to ask you, I always say this. We did not live in this time. But, you know, we have the we had the we had the Clutch City VHS 94. Mm -hmm. We know what it was. We saw it. Everything as not unfolded. Give me your thoughts on that 94 season before we obviously dive into the playoffs.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, that regular season was magical from what we saw in the original Clutch City uh, video that re- reviewed the season, and the Clutch City doc explained huge things. I mean, like, Vernon Maxwell hit a game winner against the Miami Heat that fade year away on a fadeaway three. Fadeaway three, fade
0: away three. You know? <laughs> going into the crowd. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, like, there were huge things that were occurring for everybody. Everybody was chipping in. We saw big games from Otis Thorpe. Otis Thorpe made a – he hit – he scored a career high against the Charlotte Hornets, I believe, and Rudy T kept him in to get there. I think it was like 40, 42 – was it 50?
1: I I thought it was like a 50-point I don't don't remember.
2: I I, I recall that he did get a career high that year. Yes. And, and, you know – that's allowing the players to succeed, and Hakeem's being like, yeah, OT's having it, let's let's get the ball to OT, you know, let's let him get it, you know, And I think that, that that's really cool in regards to the team. Sam Cassell was competing yeah. against Scotty Brooks to be the backup as the, the as the season as started. Scotty Brooks was yeah. the backup at that point, and Sam Cassell was a rookie, and he fought hard not just to become the main backup, but he became the closer. Because yes. at the end of the day, starting is a huge deal. But when you get to close games and you're playing in these close games, that's immeasurable to the confidence that you could bring in to players like A. Sam Cassell and a uh-huh. Aurobidori, two young uh-huh. players who basically are remembered for their big shots, not just in Houston, but throughout their whole careers. Whole career, so, yes. So you know, the fact that that started and blossomed in Houston is a testament to Hakim's trust, mm-hmm. so that's where it all began. Like game three against the Knicks in the finals. I mean, I know we're not talking about playoffs, but Cassell hit that's that game three,
0: yep.
2: yeah, because of Hakim's passing. Robert Ori making big shot after big shot because of Hakim Olajuwon's passing.
1: trusting, like, yeah, trusting that, that he would get it to him.
2: You know, you see, like. Jordan passed to Pax and Jordan passed to Kerr. But no one remembers Hakeem passing to Ori, Hakeem passing to Ellie, Hakeem passing to Cassell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is the thing that like the biggest shots in Houston history are not Hakeem. It's Hakeem passing the ball to the biggest shot in Houston history. And that is just, ins- Kenny, to me, that is what 94 is a testament to. Yeah, not just the beginning of Hakeem started it in '93, but '94 was the execution. Was believing and completely trusting. That's where it started and it yeah. began, and that's when it completely blossomed. Like Rudy yes. T said, it was a beautiful thing to see and to see that. Oh, he gets it, emotional. It he was gets just, emotional. Just yes, cold. that it. that was the dream. Literally, yeah. hakim yeah. is the dream, and he made that <laughs> dream into a reality. So that's right to see in whole team effort Mm -hmm. all of rudy t's vision became to reality and that's because of hakeem without him buying in there's no there's none of this absolutely i agree it's amazing when you put it into words like that and you truly think about team oriented or team orientation you know yeah that is so crucial and that regular season kind of skyrocketed them into that stratosphere as being a top tier team. Yep. So yep. After that year, after that yeah, year,
1: I think you don't think of them as just a playoff team. You're thinking okay, championship every year. Yeah, yep, they're, exactly. they're they're
2: they're in the exactly. thick of it. Every yeah, year, yeah.
1: Yep.
0: So it's, it's good that you it's good that you bring that up now because the season so they finished 58 and 24. Uh, they are the number two seed going into the playoffs ready to take ready to take on uh, the rest of the Western Conference. The, you're, you're facing some juggernauts. There's not some rollover teams here. You got the Utah Jazz with Carl Malone and John Stockton. Seattle Sonics are obviously there. Sean Cam, Gary Payton, Phoenix Suns had Charles Barkley and uh, Kevin Johnson. You had some juggernauts in the West. That, you know, not even accounting for uh, Dave Robinson, San Antonio Spurs, you had great teams. So this was not going to be a rollover championship here that a lot of people called just because Jordan was out. So let's talk about the playoffs here in the first round. There's not too much to talk about here. Dominance 3-1, uh, 3-1 against Portland. They win the series pretty easily. It makes it made Clyde realize, yo, man, I got to join this team next year, which he ends up doing. So, <laughs> so let's move on to the second round here because it, this the is the early first- tampering. You could that, take early tampering. Oh, and, it's as early as tampering as it gets. <laughs> yeah.
1: He's That's probably okay. saying, okay,
0: hey, Clyde, come back. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay, for real, for real though. Uh, when they go into the second round here, now this is the birth of Clutch City, but it's also the birth of Choke City. This is where it happens in the newspaper article on the Houston Chronicle. Uh, let's talk about this second round here, Houston and Phoenix. It's 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 a dog fight. 20 point multiple 20-point leads being blown out. Rockets go down uh oh two. Vincent I have to ask you well, the man who has lived it do you remember it and what were your thoughts uh going into that o2 sh- going into that o2 hole?
1: yeah this basically I had um, PTSD of uh, Seattle previous uh, see, uh, previous year literally just saying okay th- I don't know if it's like we didn't want to get to the next round or we just all of a sudden, forgot how to win. Just, just a feeling of like something is, I don't know. Just
2: something is not right.
1: Yeah, the air was taken out of our of out of our sails. It just wasn't a good start. Now, I don't, you know, I didn't do any research on why or if there was any like conflict or strife, but all I know is I was not. <laughs> I was a little worried. Maybe more than a little, but I was worried. And um, I think all I remember is just k j and Charles they I mean, they were lighting it up,
2: yeah, Dan Marley, too. Up.
1: Dan Marley, I mean, they were, I don't know, i it it was not a good start. But slowly, each game, even though we were down two and I think we were down three one. It that- still. Yeah, it still wasn't that we were out of it. That was the only that was the silver lining throughout the whole thing It's like either even though we lost the first two games, first loss and then the second loss, it, it seemed like we were getting closer to that to that right. You know the apex of where we could just turn it around, and then we can we can get our, ourselves back into the game. And I just remember, of course, everyone remembers the kiss of death. You know, in the corner, that battling back to 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 be able to get that shot open. I think that was like the that was like the the apex of of like okay, we got this, we got this game. We 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 were able to fight, claw, whatever we needed to do to get out of the hole, and then now we know where we can get the phoenix, where we can get Phoenix, and and win the series. It was just, yeah, it was just like, yeah, yeah, it was just, it was right there. That was it. That was it.
0: And we're talking about even two, and I have to ask the GM too. Continuing on about that Phoenix series, I mean they were going down 2-0 but man Vernon they they Vernon just mm-hmm. Vernon Vernon even says in the documentary he says yo okay Hakeem, I got us back in the series <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> let you take over I'm gonna let you take over now so <clears throat> immediate thoughts just that that series as a whole uh because it's probably the the most memorable outside of the obviously the New York and Houston uh, collision mm-hmm. yeah what were your immediate thoughts GM
2: well i mean i uh, so People remember us going down, but it was Vernon Maxwell that brought us back into the series. We were down 2-0. We go into Phoenix. They're trying to take a 3-0 big lead into game four.
0: Oh, and they were talking and, a lot of smack.
2: Yeah, and everyone remembers, like, we weren't playing so great in the first half. Vernon Maxwell ends up scoring, like, 27, 29 points in the second half to get us back into the series.
0: That that John to me at, in Phoenix, I just love it. Yeah, that is <laughs> that, that blows me away. Is I mean that team was good. They were
2: literally in the finals the year before. Yeah. Kevin Johnson, one of my favorite point guards ever, you know, when I was growing up, loved Kevin Johnson. And that in itself Is just mind blowing to me. The team was big. Game seven, Cassell hitting big threes at home in the fourth quarter. Hakeem putting together a stat line. It was like 29, 17. I don't remember the the,
0: I heard it was one of the all-time game seven performances like that he had, which is very goes very underrated because I still don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but like it was like, yeah, 30, like close triple double or close to it. It was just it was pretty much immaculate. So Good answers all around, y'all. Uh, let's move on here. Conference finals. I, I mean, they, they, they pretty much dispatch Utah. They make them look like a like rat. They move them, run them around like rag dolls here. They win in five. Mm-hmm. I don't have much. I mean, I even in the documentary, they don't, they don't touch much. They don't need it. to. Yeah. Yeah, they don't need to because mm-hmm. you know they dispatch it. So we'll we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, you know we'll we'll put that in the back burner. They win. They dominate. Yeah. Utah just as Utah deserves to be dominated um move on here NBA finals it's a collision course in history uh the story be all end all Hakeem versus Patrick Ewing a rematch of the NCAA final NCAA,
1: yes that's so what I'm gonna say that was, was that was the key
0: that was I was gonna and yeah and I want to ask you I want to ask you coach this is the collision course that everyone wanted this is you know outside of Jordan not being in the NBA here this is it a battle of the two best centers in the NBA, you know, it's a uh, pretty much mirroring each other. Gr- two gritty, gritty teams defensively. Um, what was your thoughts about that NBA Finals and the fact that Houston had home court was was huge, by the way. Yeah, that
1: so, that was key. That I think yeah. was key having home court because um, all I remember is Hakeem versus Patrick Ewing, and and the clearly, clearly the different. Um, playing styles that they had that was that was the main difference between yeah, yeah. you know Hakeem with the mo- being mobile finesse versus Patrick Ewing and being kind of traditional block turnaround slow but you know took a, you know clogged up the paint stayed in the middle didn't move much so I think this is where you clearly saw what the NBA wanted this is where I think uh, why Shaquille became um, highly sought after? It's because mm. they saw both of both of them, Hakeem and Patrick, and Shaquille. You had someone who can dominate with finesse over what the traditional centers of the heyday used to be, Patrick Ewing. So they thought, okay, Patrick can can definitely make a make a stamp in in the NBA because clearly years and decades before all the other big men like him did so Mm -hmm. but here comes hakeem this is this is where you say okay this is where the nba is headed because hakeem didn't just stay in the middle yeah hakeem started got the ball at the three-point line faced you up dribbled you out and then took you off the took you off the dribble. I mean, <laughs> never what seen in it in the world. Yeah, never seen yeah. it. That's and and I think clearly that's what made the impression why all these big men started thinking they were guards. You know, all yeah. of a sudden they think they can they have handles or they start working on handles because now you could see Hakeem didn't wait for the ball. I mean, yeah, he still waited for the ball to come over uh, half court, but he would pick it up right at the top of the key just under the three-point line, faced you up. He can either take the shot right over you. Hmm. He can blow by you with a couple dribbles and and for a dunk or a layup, or he could back you down. He will back you down if you wanted to. Or he will wait like a traditional big, put you on his hip, take the ball, spin you around, and then just make you look like you just didn't even move. You, You might as well just ran back to the other side because he already scored on you. A thousand
0: and one moves the came Yes.
1: That's I think clearly that's when he became. I mean, there, there are other times, too, but to me, that's where he became the best center mm-hmm. in the NBA for me was yeah. that because you had he was he was now the standard for bigs, mm-hmm. because back then you didn't even though he did well and you knew what he, he was coming. Patrick Ewing is still was still. Regardless as a, as a great center. Um you didn't see anyone like Hakeem. And when Hakeem just blew by Patrick, killed him.
0: Yeah, yeah. But yet
1: still beat him in at his game at times too. You knew mm-hmm. that that this is then this is like you said, like just you say, evolution of the next of the big is mm-hmm. Hakeem. Yeah. And to me, that that's the best, that's the best that's ever played the game in the in the middle
0: yeah agreed 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 on my end too uh gm direct the question over to you now hakeem olajuwon patrick ewing big nba finals here hakeem doesn't win the nba finals without his teammates without vernon hitting a big shot without mm-hmm. big defensive stops passing it to sam cassell in game three to win uh for a game winning three uh, mm-hmm. when he's pitting off double team gm i just have to ask you we've seen time and time again we've watched all the games we have the d we have the seven game dvd set yeah, we, do. <laughs> we do so we saw it all so i GM, real quick, as I ask you your quest, uh, as I ask you uh your overall opinion of the ninety-four uh finals, give me the first play in game seven, because he always knows this. Give me the first play in game seven.
2: Oh man. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he always says he, this. Game seven, man, because I'm thinking of game no, four of ninety five. Because no, Robert Ori seven. hits a three. No, but I remember game seven of ninety four, Mario Ellie hits a three.
0: But no, Is no, really. No, and we're not at the start. Give me the first play of the game. You know the first play they of went, the game. They
2: went, they went to the post with Hakeem. And then. Oh, it was that Robert Ori dunk. Yes, Cause, 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 because Robert. So yes. Hakeem was in the mid post about to make his move. They double. Ori has that clean cut to the lane. Cut to the lane. And Ori dunks it. And Ori, like I remember him landing, so nonchalant. his leg was super high in the yeah. air, and it just kind of just like he he lands, he's just like, we're in it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he lands like the, He in lands five. in his face is like
0: this. Yeah,
2: like- <laughs> it was like it was like nothing happened. And yeah. yes, I remember that play. There you and go. Like, yeah. thank you. Because I, I I remember you game always four, say it at the start every in time. Game four. I mean, game four of '95, Robert Ory hits a three, two to start the to start the
1: game. So
2: yeah, there's yeah, a lot of Robert the recollection Ory's is strong. In there. Yeah.
1: yeah, Robert Ory strong in this
0: game. I've watched
2: game seven so many times in my life. It's it. Yeah, Kenny is right. That was very ingrained in my in my brain. So give me thought.
0: Give me, give me thoughts. Give me thoughts on the '94 finals. Oh, for me? Yeah, for you, dude. Man, the '94
2: finals was just pretty much. Uh, how do you say this? It's basically where everything just comes together and everything that Rudy T had put in uh, the system in regards to succeeding, you're putting it against the best defensive team in basketball. The Knicks, I believe that the Knicks were number one. Rockets were either number two or number three. We were right there. Two best defensive teams in the NBA, putting it together to see, to battle out, to see who could. And I mean, like they said, there was no games went over a hundred points in that series. The games were all relatively close. No insane big blowouts. Everything I believe was around eight points, give or take for each winning team Mm -hmm. around the, around that uh, score. So I believe it was just everything came together for Houston. It took a long, grueling seven games. We got very fortunate with that game six block on Starks uh, by a to get us to game seven.
0: Oh, absolutely.
2: But everything <laughs> that they had done.
0: With the big tip.
2: Yep, there you go. <laughs> and everything that happened in that series, you you knew that it was not going to be easy. Akeem was just, they were beating him down. And it yeah. was like basically how Detroit beat up MJ in the 90s, in the early 90s, right? So Akeem was just, they had to battle it out. Kenny Smith. Was being hand checked by Derek Harper. It was the last year that it was legal. He basically controlled where Kenny went. So that's why Sam Cassell came in, played big minutes, because he wasn't yeah. having that from Derek mm-hmm. Harper. Yeah. You know, uh, Robert Ori got hurt in the middle of the series when he got multiple times. really hard. He had he, multiple he, he hits. Had hairline fracture in his butt.
0: <laughs> hairline fracture like,
2: on my butt. He, yeah. He hurt. Two, he hurt sprained, his wrists. Wrists. Two yep. sprained
0: wrists. Two sprained wrists. Come and on. But it was
2: like. <laughs> That was the series where it was, you're going to earn it. And the Rockets certainly did. They certainly earned it. Vernon Maxwell coming through in Game 7, that big three. Uh, Kenny Smith hitting a big three in Game 6 to give them a big lead, too. It was just, overall, everyone sprinkled in, made their... They they put their they put their two cents in the series.
0: Yeah, it's phenomenal. It was phenomenal. Yeah,
2: Hakeem was there. He did it. He put in his work. But if it wasn't for the other guys to elevate him, we don't get there. Exactly. So it was the compendium of what was a team effort. And oh, absolutely, it, it's so huge and so big in regards to that championship. That championship is so different in comparison to '95. Two completely different types of championships, but '94 always holds a special place because it's the first and that was Hakeem's MVP year defensive player of the year. It was Mm -hmm. kind of like everything put together and where he was truly appreciated, Mm
0: -hmm. not
2: just by the media, but by the NBA Mm -hmm. and by his team. So I just think that, that it gives me goosebumps just, just being able to talk about it because it was such a big deal. And the feelings that it gave me as a kid growing up, like, rewatching it again and trying to relive that greatness when i was like in middle school laying in bed because i couldn't move because of a back injury i went through so many tapes of rockets basketball i probably there you go every single game of the 95 playoffs because i was just in bed all the time
0: well dad dad had dad had recorded every game so we yeah. had we had it all we had it all archived uh, yes. for our viewing pleasure and with that said, we are gonna go ahead and cap off part one chronicling the amazing illustrious career became the dream Alajuwon. Thank you so much to the GM and, of course, Coach, our special guest, Vincent Koo, and his son, Charlie, for coming on the podcast for this episode, part one, with part two coming at you very soon next week, next Tuesday. Tuesday, you know what that means? A brand new episode of the Summit State of Mind. We go ahead and put some plugs here at the very end. Be sure to follow us at Mind underscore pod, our crew, our friends, our followers, our listeners, our fans, everybody. You guys got us over a hundred. Uh, followers we really appreciate that we really appreciate you' all thank you so much for continuing to listen we are gonna continue to pump out episodes and be sure to follow us there on Instagram where we post stories and we put our posts up anything and everything that you need to know that is the latest in, in breaking news and regarding the rockets or regarding our podcast all there at Sum state of mind underscore pod you can also uh, give us an email summon state of mind at gmail.com if you have any questions or if you want to be a guest we are always open to new and exciting guests that want to come on our podcast, anyone that has an uh, opinion on basketball or the Rockets, you are welcome on the pod. You are always welcome to meet us at the Summit. With that said, be sure to listen to our other brothers in the podcast, especially in H-Town. Shots and thoughts. That's right, SNT Pod. They're currently on a break right now, but go ahead and listen to all their past episodes. They're doing they always do great things, hilarious things, and they all do it while drinking. What else can you ask for? Nothing better than that. Also listen to the Sports Trap Podcast. Sports Trap, they go ahead and give you guys all the news regarding Houston sports, not just the Houston Rockets. So give them a follow and a listen as well. We all need to stick together and we definitely need all the listens. And the pandemic, we are really seeing light at the end of the tunnel here. They're starting to open up the entire state of texas already opened it up masks are basically optional at this point but corona is still in existence covid still in existence be sure that you are definitely washing your hands be sure that you are if, if you don't feel well be sure that you're wearing a mask as well Take care of yourselves and make sure to take care of each other. And once again, this is the end of part one. Part two coming out for you next week. Next Tuesday. Tuesday, you know what that means. Brand new episode of the Summit State of Mind. Part two of episode 34. Because we could not fit it all into one episode. Hakeem, the dream, Olajuwon, chronicling his illustrious career. Stay tuned for part two next week. The Summit. (laughs)
2: t t t t